Unscripted. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of PD and P-Dubs Unscripted. It's so good to be with you and we got P-Dubs here with me. Hey PD, good to be in the house here in the studio and uh, great to be with everybody again. And for those who are watching on YouTube, uh, just let's get it right out there. No, PD and I did not call and ask, you know, what color shirt are you wearing today? We are very matching here today. I don't know. It's a weird, like, psychic mindset And there. we do this too often. I know. This is kind of I mean, crazy. Thankfully, I didn't wear my one polo. <laughs> then we would have been really twins. Yeah, people would have really been wondering. And if you are watching on YouTube, if everything goes to plan, you might see a new angle here for our podcast mm, today. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, it's a first here for a lot of our podcast today, because also, if you listen to the intro song, we have a new intro song. Yes, it's a little perked up. A little perked up. Uh, Joe Latusic, our interim praise team director, I asked if he, after he came on our podcast, if he could come up with a little jingle for our theme and he's Mm -hmm. like he was glad to and he even put together the video intro video so if you're watching on youtube there's a sweet intro video oh yeah sweet it is and uh you'll really enjoy it and for those who uh are listening or watching that aren't from our congregation you'll get a little window inside of our sanctuary and right with yeah joe did a great job editing that he taught me some tricks now the other day and so Mm going to try to incorporate them into the editing of the podcast video here yeah, that's cool. So, you know, always evolving, always changing. And, uh, you know, I'm just grateful my partner here knows a lot about uh, technology, you know, and he can make it happen. So he's a quick study with what Joel is giving him. And, uh, yeah, we're improving the show. Yeah, we're trying. And if it didn't go well recording on my cell phone with the other angle, it would be the same old angle of the two close-ups of us. You know, I think our next, what our next goal should be in terms of, like, adding to our podcast What's that? Funny sounds, you know, like a, like a little button that oh, like, like, you know, if we boing. say, yeah, boing or, wah, 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 you know, oh, kind man. of thing. Uh, am I going to have to po- do that post edit? <laughs> <laughs> no, it would be like we'd have it right we here. We have our own little sound Yeah, we would, we would connect, we would control it. I was at a wedding on Saturday and, uh, you know, there was uh, the DJ and he had those kinds of sounds. So like. When uh, people were giving toasts and things like that, he was making these sounds that, you know, supported what was being said. And um, somebody told a joke and it didn't go over well. And so he put in there. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> so it was really funny. Man, we're, we're, that's really high tech, you know. Yeah. See, I was thinking, oh, man, depending on if we like this new angle, with if it works. We almost need the sticker moved over here onto yeah, this wall yeah, and not or, the wall back there. Or we could just, well, can we move our table? Of course, we, this, look, there's a lot of cords yeah, here. Yeah, a lot of cords. Yeah, I thought about because I'm like, oh, if we put it there, this, I'm like, but then you get your back of your head. Yeah, yeah. So Yeah, we don't want that. So, you know, we're just trying things here and hoping mm-hmm. it all works. And hopefully you like some of these changes. I, I know you'll love the new theme song. Kind of remind me a little office vibe theme at the end, the way it kind of fades out. Okay. Then I was kind of thinking of like Frasier, the episode when he's trying to come up with the theme song for his show and he makes yeah. this huge orchestra <laughs> and like we just wanted like a 10 second jingle <laughs> and he has this like huge thing with Niles doing this huge monologue. Oh, uh, as, as only Frasier would, right? Right. Yeah, it's a great show. And uh, I was getting into the, to the reruns there for a while and then I kind of stopped. Yeah, but, I've been... Uh, watch some of the reruns because they just started a reboot of Frasier on Paramount Plus. Yeah, you were saying. You know, it's... it's How okay. is that? Eh, you know, yeah. it's, it's eh, you know... It's missing. It's, like, like I don't know. It's like missing all the characters yeah, it that Niles, make Frasier Frasier. Doesn't have know? Marty. 
Yeah. Doesn't so have the dad. Doesn't have Eddie, the dog, Daphne, uh, Roz. Yeah. No bulldog. No bulldog. No what? bulldog. What? Oh, no sports from bulldog. No. So. Oh golly. But yeah, so we're not here to just talk no, Frasier no, no. or all of our hopefully updates that people are enjoying here on the podcast. But you came across an interesting article, which is kind of the opposite of what you normally hear for an article. Yeah. So um, I was kind of just thinking of phrases, you know, that we... Phrases that pay? Phrases that pay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, those are important phrases. Yeah. Uh, And there's probably one specific listener who's, you know, really tuned in now. Now he's going to start sending us those Uh, phrases. Those phrases that pay. But anyway, um, I was thinking of all, you know, common phrases that we hear in everyday life. And uh, so I kind of wanted to go one way that says, um, let's look at phrases that we say that originated from the Bible. And I thought that would be fun to kind of look through. And uh, Right, because usually the opposite of like, this isn't in the Bible, but people credit it to the Bible. Exactly. So, like, I I looked up those, and I thought, well, maybe we talked about those before, and but this is kind of a fun one, and uh, and you know maybe we could learn, you know, where some of these phrases come from. Right. Actually, a friend of ours gave uh, my wife Gwen and I a book of these kind of phrases. Really. And um, I I got to find it at home because there's. There's a boatload. I mean, right. I mean, the book is like about that thick, mm. and uh, and it gives you a lot of background around the the phrase and and all of this and that. So in the in that spirit, um, an article from uh, let's see, Lifeway Research, and I was trying to find yes, the uh, the author. We have to give credit where credit is due. Is Aaron Earls? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Aaron is a senior writer at Lifeway Research. So thank you, Aaron, for supplying some content for us. And uh, so the first, the first uh, phrase that pays, dun, 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 dun. Okay, I don't know, I'm just like trying to is, put myself like that, exciting music. I know, is that like Bonanza? I think it was. It just came out. We don't get any copyright issues. But we're always crediting. We just credited Bonanza. Yeah, but I don't know how it works with music. Oh, come on. It's not that close. If I could figure it out right away. Um, the first one is drum roll. Brrr, there we go. That's, there, there, we there, there we drum, go. I can't do a drum roll, but Brrr. I can go on the table. Escaping by the skin of your teeth. Ah, yeah. I would have never thought of that from the Bible. I don't yeah. know about and you or any of our listeners. Yeah, I uh, that one, I have to confess, I just thought that was something that was generational. Like, right. you know, my parents, I remember my mom using that phrase like, Oh, he just, you know, he's getting by by the skin of his teeth or something like that. Yeah, and I don't know. It feels like it is an older saying because like, mm-hmm. I don't feel people say that as much now. I mean, I know the saying, but I don't think I've really ever used it all that much myself. Well, kind of just um, going on a little tangent, have you found like your parents have phrases that, that, you know, they said through your growing up that maybe you find yourself now as an adult adopting mm-hmm. and using there's probably like I don't know one would be like you know would ask one of my parents like how's it going oh it's just Ducky so just Ducky <laughs> it's was just beca- Ducky just Ducky was one that would be come out <laughs> that's good that's good yeah I mean like it, it, just you alone right you'd be like Whoa. and then when you when you say those things do you ever catch yourself going like 
Why did I just say that? Well, like I sound like my parents. Well, the one I always think of, I think we've talked about, is like Hall Carrollson and watching baseball. Yeah, how many sayings I have of watching baseball oh, from yes. growing up with Hall Carrollson mm-hmm. when nobody else knows what it is. Right, right. But so yeah, I get that. Like, and I'm just trying to think of like ones for my parents, and maybe I just don't even realize it. One, one that I always is one of my mom's favorites. We'd be driving, or like my parents would be driving. I'd be in the back seat, or maybe on the front seat with my mom driving. And there's someone driving real slow in front of them. Mm. And she would always go, Oh, look at this creeping Lena. <laughs> Never heard. <laughs> creeping Lena is a slow driver on the road. <laughs> so I'd be like, as a kid, going, Creeping Lena. That's so did, not, how do you know her name? So did you ever do that on trips with the kids? Yes. Yes, I and did. And they're like, what does dad say? I know. And I'm like, that comes from your grandma. Just accept it. Just accept it. It is a family phrase. It's going to go down through the generations. Yeah. I can't wait to hear one of my kids say creeping Lena. Then I will know that I have done my duty. I think four or five generations down the yes. road, they're saying that. And they're like, where is that credited to? Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Grandpa, great grandpa Warren, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say, no, it was grandma. Great, great, great grandma. Anyway, so yes, yeah, so escaping by the skin of your teeth is a reference to Job 1920. So um, maybe we should look up Job yeah, 1920. Why don't you call do you that want, one up? Do you want me to try to do that since you, you yeah. might need a little help with reading things on there? Thank you, brother. I mean, I could always email to you, and you can pull it up on your computer. No, I'm good. I'm reading just fine, uh, but like you're real quick with the draw. So okay, you're like quick, quick draw McGraw. Okay, so Job nineteen twenty. <laughs> he didn't ask me who Quick Draw McGraw was. I just kept on going. <laughs> no, quick in the dead, Rod. No, nope. <laughs> nope, uh, yeah, we're just going to keep moving on here. Can never go wrong with going to the Bible. That's right. So Job nineteen twenty says, "My bones stick to my skin and my to my flesh." And I have escaped by the skin of my teeth. There you go. I have escaped by the skin of my teeth. Yes. Good old Job. Good old Job. You know, um, yeah. So a lot of times we hear this phrase, you know, when the hero makes a narrow escape, like maybe like a, like a, Indiana Jones. That or something. I was saying like the old school Batman with Adam West. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, will he get out of this? Yeah. And it's like he got out by the skin of his teeth. Yep. Yep. And, and, you know, Batman on the 60s show, there was always, like, imminent danger ahead. Right. And then, like, the narrator, before they would go to commercial, was like, will Batman escape the net from the, the Penguin Riddler. or the Riddler? Will he solve the riddle to, you know? And then it's like, next time on Batman. Yeah. And you got to wait till the next episode. Same time, same bat, bat time, time, same bat channel. So well, I feel yeah. that would be like something that that narrator would have mm-hmm. said. Yeah. Oh, Batman and Robin escaped by the skin, skin of, their of their teeth. teeth. And that's actually a phrase that probably Robin would say, right? If right. you were really a true follower of Batman and Robin. Gee uh, Williker, Batman. <laughs> oh, gee golly. Oh, no, that's a, uh, gee golly whiz. My, uh, that's that's like, a. Uh, that's the beaver, beaver cleaver. Uh, Gee golly. I was almost thinking, what's the name from Andy Griffith? Uh, oh, Opie? Oh, not Opie, but the guy that ran like the gas station. Oh, Go- <laughs> Gomer. Gomer. I can see that being a Gomer pile. Yeah. Say. Oh, golly. <laughs> yep. So, yes. So, Job is the originator of that phrase, escaping by the skin of your teeth. All right. What's number two, PD? A house divided against itself cannot stand. Yes, so 
Um, a lot of people attribute this to Abraham Lincoln. Ooh, honest Abe. Yeah, because, you know, he's said all good and faithful uh, good yeah. phrases. Uh, but he did use the phrase in the famous speech he, he gave. Uh, but the author is... I'm trying to see where it has the reference to that. There is no reference. So maybe you could do some quick Googling there for us. Yeah, let me... Go- uh, I did not pre- prepare on that one. But apparently Jesus said that one when he was rebuffing Pharisees um, who were giving charges against Jesus that he was um, casting out demons because he himself was possessed. And Jesus uttered the phrase that would later be used by Lincoln. And uh, I guess it became an episode of a primetime soap opera and a 90s sitcom. I always think of like, you see the signs of like, if somebody went to two different universities or Mm. like here, the Cubs or Sox flag, house divided. Yeah. But here in Matthew 12, 25, knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And no city or house divided against itself can, will stand. There you go. So a house divided cannot stand. And uh, as you said, it's a lot of times in jest, you know, related to, you know, we hear it around here with like sports teams. Like if there's a, the wife is a bear fan or the husband is a Packer fan, you know, or, you know, Cub and Cardinal or Cub and Sox, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but it's true of organizations, you know, like, well, even... You know, it's true of families, it's true of organizations, true of churches, right. true of nations. I mean, it's yeah. true. Well, that's how the verse starts off there with kingdoms. You know, mm-hmm. I think of nations that when they're divided, mm-hmm. you're going in two separate directions. Yeah. So you're just going to split and everything's going to come crashing down. Yeah. And if we think about our own nation, I, uh, I wish I would have remembered this before going on air, but... There is someone who said that, you know, as we look at America, uh, America will come to its end internally, Mm -hmm. you know, like in and of itself, kind of like, you know, like a civil war. And uh, so just like it's so divided as a country, it it will come to ruins, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so can't remember, there is probably a famous author or politician who said, said something along those lines, but... But yeah, and here in this case, in Matthew, it's talking about like blasphemy, mm-hmm. that whole debate about like, yeah, how can I be of from Satan if I'm God and the house divided? Yeah. It's going to come crashing down. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, well, you, if you're casting out demons, you must have a demon in yourself because only, you know, a demon would pay attention to another demon, you know? And right. he's like, uh-uh. Right. So, so. Um, yeah. So that's number two. And uh, number three, well, that was a bad drum roll. That, it's okay. <laughs> Can't get the tongue going. So, yeah, that's a drop in the bucket. A drop in the bucket. Yes, that is from Isaiah 40, verse 15. And I have that ready. Yeah. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are counted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Yeah. Drop from a bucket, drop in a bucket, I guess. And that, I was thinking like, oh, like spending money, that's just a drop in drop the bucket. Drop in the bucket. Like, yeah, it's like, it's got no value. It's of no consequence. I right? like here, it's a, compared to the amount of pizza a student ministry can, consumes in a year. Yeah. 
Yeah, even even as Isaiah, as God says in Isaiah forty, it's like I think it's the same sense, like a drop in a bucket. It's it's got it's like got no significance, right? Like uh, they're considered as a speck of dust in the scales. So like right. a speck of dust is like you know who would care about a speck of dust? And that's where nations will drop like right. a bucket. Um, so that's where that one comes from. Another one I did not know was in scripture. I don't know about you. Yeah, that one, I was, yeah, I was like, huh, I didn't know that, you know, so just being flat out honest. Next one, I think we all pretty much know. It's not a phrase, but it's just a term, right? right? And uh, sometimes it's a term that's related to, oh, huge athletes or enormous people, like, you know, football player. He's uh, a behemoth. He's a behemoth, yeah. like that is the word. Yeah, like Dick Buckus was probably a behemoth. In his day and age. Yeah, he was a big man. Well, I think of like Shaq. Shaq. Was a behemoth. Oh, yes. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I mean, all Shaq had to do was back up in the lane, and it would you'd clear out the lane because well, he's a behemoth. Especially in his later days, like in his early days, he was pretty. Quick. He was he was thinner. Yeah, and he was quick up and down that court. Mm-hmm. He could go coast to coast on a jam, but you know what? No one ran the coast to coast like Joakim Noah. He hustled. <laughs> that I that man. He became one of my all time favorite bulls after yeah. being so mad when we drafted him. Yep. My ask my kids like when we were in Fort Wayne, I'd be watching the Bulls and I'd see Joe Kim Noah take the ball from one end to the other and jam it. And I my phrase my phrase that pays was coast to coast with the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, Dad, you're hilarious." But yeah, he was a he was a grinder, a hustler out there. He was. So yeah, um, a behemoth comes from Job forty. Uh, verses 15 to 24. Especially mainly like verse 15, Behold, behemoth, which I made as I made you, he eats grass like an ox. Behold, his strength in his loins and his power in the muscles of his belly. He makes his tail stiff like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knit together. His bones are tubes of bronze, his limbs like bars of iron. Mm. And then, you know, I've always heard that almost compared to that might have been like a bronchiosaurus that he's describing there Mm -hmm, mm because Job is considered one of the earliest written books of the Bible. Yeah. And so I'm like, it makes sense because like someone's like, well, it's an elephant. Well, elephant doesn't have a cedar-like tail. Yeah. That tail is very small. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's not Bigfoot either. I don't know. I just read something the other day that somebody (laughs) spotted Bigfoot. uh, Oh, really? In the West Coast somewhere. Uh, Speaking of Bigfoot... You know how memories come up on Facebook? Yeah. So I used to watch the, sh- the one of the show just for mindless, you know, entertainment. Harry was, and the Hendersons? No. Well, oh. I watched that movie, but this was a show about the Bigfoot chasers. I can't remember. And there was a guy named... There was a guy named Bobo. <laughs> Bobo, the Bigfoot chaser? And he was kind of a behemoth-looking guy, and they would make poor Bobo go out on the side of the road and strike a Bigfoot pose and, like, walk like Bigfoot. And, uh, you know, he had, like, this mullet and things. So um, I don't know why I went this route, but we were talking about behemoths and Bigfoots. So anyway, on my Facebook post, it had a memory of me driving by on Route 14 just as you cross the state line. There is a restaurant called the Bigfoot Inn. (laughs) And, And on my... On my Facebook post, I said, I think I found where Bigfoots eat. So I said, I'm going to go in and see if I can locate one. Was and, Bobo there? Um, I didn't go in. 
<laughs> so his real name is, if I found the right person, James Fay. Okay. He was six four. I can. Yeah, that's Bobo. He looks pretty intimidating. He's a, he's a teddy bear of a guy. You know, you can. Oh, uh, I. You know, there is a YouTube. I don't want to open because I don't want to mess with the audio. Yeah. It's the YouTube. For my first type of is Bobo proves why he is the top Sasquatch investigator. <laughs> yes. So he's a charismatic personality and he's given his most memorable moments of finding Bigfoot. So when you get done listening to this or watching on YouTube, just type in Bobo the Bigfoot hunter and you will find this and you will be just filled with hours of oh, entertainment. Yes. I yeah, bet. you'll, uh, You'll know the the trappings of my mind, you know, so that I get the rabbit holes that we go down. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, Behemoth is got to be bigger than a Bigfoot, absolutely, by the the way that you read and described it. So that's where Behemoth came from, and, and it is, you know, it's God's creation. You know, right. poor Behemoth got a bad rap you know he's just a big guy he's just a big guy he's god's creation we should love the behemoth you know it's like a teddy bear like people say you're a big cuddly teddy bear people are like oh that's not intimidating yeah and it should not be like a negative term you know like it should just you're big and strong like a behemoth you're strong strong like bull strong like bull yes all right the next one is yeah this next one number five doesn't come from what happened in like 2003, <laughs> October, almost like 20 yeah. years ago. Steve we, Bartman. We just try to celebrate that All right, anniversary. Yeah. All right, so let's, let's, oh, it's too bad we don't have like uh, listener comments. Like, okay, let's just like give them a chance to respond. So if we said number five is Steve Bartman, but it's, there's a word that describes Steve Bartman, what would it be? What is scapegoat? Yes, ding, 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 ding. What is scapegoat? Yes. Yeah, he was the scapegoat. <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> poor guy. He got his life ruined. I mean. Just because he tried to go for a foul ball, and Moises Alou did not help the situation. Moises, I think, inflamed the situation. And let's be honest, Alex Gonzalez should have been able to feel the next play. Hello. A <laughs> like, ground ball right to him. You know, you got your own... Uh, Let it go through the wickets. Got your own Bill Buckner over there at shortstop. Yep. yep, and then the house of cards came down because the play after that uh, was out to Sammy Sosa, and he didn't throw... He overthrew the bag, and it was just Who? like Sammy Sosa. Did he play for the Cubs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was kind of a scapegoat, too, in the And then end. what, he had, what, Kerry Wood or Mark Pryor go in game seven? Yeah, yeah, I know. And that, But yeah, scapegoat. Scapegoat is... Uh, when things go wrong, like, you know, they when, get the blame. When in 2003, you got the World Series seven outs away. Was it seven or five? It was five. So, something. I just remember five I was outs away. hanging out uh, with some friends in Gross Hall at Concordia River Forest uh, that freshman just, year. That, that just hurts so bad. You could only imagine my joy. Oh, I'll bet. <laughs> I mean, it was like we had the Leon Durham ground ball in 1984, you know, that went through his legs comparable to the bill Buckner one, but he was then on the Red Sox and now, you know, Bartman. But anyway, we yeah. digress. But again. That scapegoat of putting the blame on someone else. And, mm-hmm. you know, that comes from the old Testament tradition of putting the sins of the people on the goat, right? That would then be off, go off into the wilderness to ultimately die. So mm-hmm. it took the sins away from the people and exactly. took the blame and punishment, so to speak. Right, right, and go out into the wilderness. And in scripture, wilderness means like death or 
um, just um, away from God. And what did that goat ever do to get <laughs> poor goat? Just got blamed for <laughs> for the people's sins. Yeah, he was just those goats were just minding their own business. Yeah, just sitting in the pen being a goat. <laughs> They're like, "Come here, you two. and they probably didn't know what was next. <laughs> you know, you ever been around a goat? Uh, maybe at a zoo or uh, something. They can be kind of nasty. Can't, well, don't they? No, do they kick? They kick and they like we, you know, they butt you with their head. Because camels spit, right? Oh yeah. I think of Aladdin. Like, uh, be careful, they spit or something. Yeah. I think it's an Aladdin. The genie says that. Right. right. So this is from Leviticus sixteen ten. You want to dial that one up? Yeah. Let me change. It's interesting. Like they take me to like the random translations. Like when I click the link on the article, that one took me to the King James version. Hmm. But I don't. I don't even read the King James version. Well, it's certainly okay. Here's the ESV version, which is what I've been reading for most of them. Mm-hmm. But the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness to Azazel. Yeah, and that word, isn't that Azazel in Hebrew? That's the word that means scapegoat, I believe. That's what I was just looking up. Uh, in Jewish legends, a demon or evil spirit to whom, in the ancient rite of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, a scapegoat was sent bearing the sins of the people. Okay. That's a, that's a big word. Yeah, that is. And so there you go. Um, you know, the goat didn't do anything, but he took on the, the blame and paid the price. So his life was ruined. Right. You know, cast out into the wilderness, into the darkness. Carrying away the sins of the people. So, being a scapegoat. And number six is one that I don't hear too often anymore, mm-hmm. but go, gird your loins. Yeah, and you know, you had mentioned the King James. Actually, that's the one you want to look up for this one in Job 38.3. That's um, where that word, gird your loins, comes. Here it comes, Job 38.3. Gird up now thy loins like a man, yeah. for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Yeah, and uh, in the English Standard Version, it says, uh, dress like a man for action. <laughs> so that's like, you know, like, all right, you know, we're going to have a squaring off kind of thing, you know, and uh, dress like a man, get ready. I'm trying to look up just for curiosity's sake the message how they put it together oh that ought to be interesting what is that so you know because the message doesn't say verse by verse right so it says why do you confuse the issue why do you talk without knowing what you're talking about pull yourself together job up on your feet stand tall i have some questions for you and i want some straight answers oh man Feels like it's like Jack Nicholson on trial with Tom Cruise and a few good. You can't handle the truth. Stand up. I got questions for you, (laughs) buddy. That was my Jack Nicholson face. Uh, (laughs) The face was fine. I don't know if the voice was so much Jack. Those are good. Um, Yeah. So Job three. Now the article points out Ephesians six one as well, but I could not find any reference with regard to girding up one's. So Ephesians six fourteen in the King James fourteen or one fourteen. Oh, because mine says Ephesians it's 6 1. one. But when I click on it, it takes me to Bible Gateway. Oh, there you go. So, all righty. In verse 14, in the ah, King there James, it is, sir. Yes, stand, indeed. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about the truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Yeah. Loins girt, girt about. The past tense. <laughs> having your loins girt. 
That sounds like it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm almost picturing, and maybe because I just preached on it, the prodigal son, how, like, the father would have girded up his loins, yeah. right, when he ran yeah. to his son? Well, he would have had to hold up his robe so he wouldn't trip over right. it. And that, like, you know, was kind of like a thing where people would be like... Shameful. Is, yeah, shameful is the word. You know, what is that old man doing? Showing his legs. Showing his legs. That's just not right. No. So he wasn't really having his loins girt. He was just pulling up his... I don't know. Maybe I don't know if his truly robe. what girt up your loins means, but that's what I think, like pulling up your... Yeah. Well, I think it does have something like that. Like, you know, get get in... You know, get in the posture, you know, and like... Get in like the three-point stance? Like yeah, a, like you know, almost like a sumo wrestler, you know. Boom, boom. <laughs> get ready for action, man. <laughs> man, this is going off the rails. Oh, it is. See, leave it to me. Should we go to the next one? Yes, please. Uh, the writing is on the wall. Oh, yeah. The writing is on the wall. Now, now this one, um, usually that relates to, you know... Events that seem to lead inevitably to a specific outcome. So usually, like, I feel like a negative outcome. Yeah, yeah, it's very predictable, and it's like you better see this. The writing's on the wall; it's going to happen. You right. know that kind of thing. And apparently, this came from Daniel chapter five, and there's really no like specific verse other than like in the beginning of Daniel chapter five, and maybe we could kind of look that one up. Um, Got let's it. See. So King Belshazzar held a great feast of a thousand of his nobles and drank wine in the presence. You skipped on to verse five. Did I? No, I would say skip to verse five might be. Oh, got you. Yeah, I was just giving a little background. Oh, okay. That's all I was doing. Oh, my bad. Um, so, uh, so there was this, you know. Party. Everybody's partying down, drinking a lot of wine, getting a little, a little, uh, under the influence. Having a good time. Having a good time. Uh, they drank wine and praised their gods and made made of gold and silver and bronze. So they praised idols or their own gods, right? And then it says, At that moment, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and began writing on the plaster of the king's palace wall next to the lampstand. So there it is. The writing is yeah. on the wall. You almost got to wonder, did the people think it was like Acts? Have they, we had too much to drink? And Well, I mean, if you look at, as it goes on, it says, uh, uh, it says, as the king watched the hand that was writing, his face turned pale and his thoughts so terrified him that his hip joints shook and his knees... <laughs> Knocked together. You get a little shaky leg. A little scared there. You ever been like shaky legs? Oh, yeah. yeah just a little knee knocking. And and anytime then, you get me on like a height thing with a high dive oh, or yeah, something. You know, it's like. You know, it's like, like old and, then, and that's that's how I felt, you know, when you and I were going up that one mountain. Oh, Camelback. Camelback. And I looked up to the top, and my knees started shaking and knocking. It was not. It was a tough one going up that one. And when it, I did the and it, and it brought some words to to my mouth that <laughs> I was not happy with. So, so his the king's knees are knocking together, and then the king called out to bring mediums, uh, uh, Chaldeans, and astrologers, and he said, "You know, these are wise men. You guys figure this out." So, I think he was like freaked so, uh, out. R- and then Daniel came and interpreted that, hey, your kingdom, bye-bye. Yeah. 
And so that's why it has that negative connotation. The writing was on the wall that his kingdom was not coming, his. It was coming to an end. And then at the very end, uh, after Daniel um, gave this proclam- uh, gave him the interpretation, then Balthasar gave an order that they should clothe Daniel in purple. Which is uh, a royal placed, color. Yeah, placed a gold chain around his neck and issued a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler of the kingdom. And that very night, Balthazar, king of the Chaldeans, was killed. So the writing was on the wall. Poor Balthazar. Yeah, I guess we shouldn't feel too sorry for him. Probably not. (laughs) Because, you know, a leopard can't change his spots, so he couldn't change his (laughs) spots. Hey, now, look at you. Look at that transition there. Seamless. That was really seamless, brother. And uh, so apparently... uh, this phrase, uh, a leopard can't change his spots, uh, it says from Port, Porter Wagner and Elvis to the Roots and Blondie, the phrase has provided many musicians a lyrical turn of phrase. Supposedly you are what you are, just like a leopard cannot change its spots, a person cannot change their nature. I'm trying to skim through J- Jeremiah 13 here. and I'm Yeah, it's like, look at verse 23, I think. Oh. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopards his leopard his spots? Yeah. So that's where it comes from. I didn't quite get down to verse 23. Well, I think maybe you got it. Well, you did once you said verse 23. Okay. But yeah, so that whole idea that, you know, it's almost like to me, like you can't teach a dog an old, new, old dog new tricks. That's mm-hmm. not going to change. You might say that's how you describe a Lutheran. We don't, yeah. we don't change our spots. We're the, we don't, we're we don't, the same. We don't like change. We don't like it at all. No, sir, we don't. So we people aren't going to like our podcast now that we change the theme song and the camera angle I know. possibly. They're going to stop watching and listening. That's the end of PD and P-dubs unscripted. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Might as well just say another one bites the dust. Oh. Boom, boom. boom. There you go. Gotcha. Nice, nice transition there. Yes, sir. One, little, one good turn deserves another. With a little Freddie Mercury there. Yeah. Ha! Another one bites the dust. <laughs> and another one going. That that first time I heard another one bites the dust was in the 1977 Super Bowl. Really? With my new favorite team, uh, second, Denver Broncos, the Orange Crush. The, Craig Morton was the quarterback, and he couldn't move. He had bad knees, so he going back, back in the pocket and... Either protect him or he's sacked. And they played the Cowboys, and the Cowboys just killed him. I'm starting to think you like the color orange. I probably do. Because yeah, the know. Denver Broncos, the Baltimore, Baltimore Orioles. Yeah. You know, your secondary teams all have orange. Yeah, all the Bears have a little orange. Yeah, they do. Yeah, so. Do you like those orange jerseys? Uh, they're all right. Uh, uh, yeah, not a fan. Yeah. But yeah, Bite the Dust comes from Psalm 72, verse 9. Yeah, so it's not really... Bite the dust in Psalm 72, 9. So why don't you read what it says? May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. Lick the dust. So, you know, whether you're biting the dust or licking the dust. Doesn't sound not good. Bad. It's not enjoyable. Thought you were doing your Dana Carvey, George Bush. Maybe I was and I didn't even know it. It's bad. It's not good. Like jackals in the desert and they just lick the dust. (laughs) So... Um, yeah, so lick the dust, bite the dust, Psalm 72, 9. Um, uh, the earliest citation 
of this is from a Scottish author in 1750. We don't even get his name? No. Well, poor come, guy. Come on, Aaron. Why didn't you tell us that? We name? like to give credit where credit's due. That's right. But I think he wants us to dig in. Yeah, because we want to do everything by the letter of the law here. <laughs> Holy cow. Man, oh man. There's That's the next one. If you hadn't guessed, you know, PD is on a roll. So Once in a while. The letter of the law. See, we do things by the letter of the law. And that comes from 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6. Which says, He who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, of letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Yeah, so there it's inferred that what is the letter, you know, the letter of the law, you know, God's law kills uh, so that the gospel can give life. Give life, right. And uh, so, yes, they weren't supposed to live by the letter of the law, but receive life from the Spirit. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are, you know, letter of the law type people. And and there's nothing wrong with that. And then there's people who say, "Uh, you know, go by the Spirit of the law. And and so, like, oh, there's going to be some leeway or bending. And and then sometimes you got a letter of the law person – meeting a spirit-of-the-law person, and where do you come together, right? right. And uh, so, but like here, it says a person supposedly can obey the letter of the law, a literal interpretation, and miss out on the spirit, the intention of it. And every parent knows how close a kid can get to hitting their sibling without actually hitting them, right? So, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you. Yeah. And like antagonizing. Right. Well, even students you think about in school, they know kind of where that tipping point is of yeah. where that letter of the law is. Like, I can get this far. Mm-hmm. Or you think of driving, and if you're driving, and like, okay, can I go one mile per over? Yeah. Two miles. So when you yeah, get to that exactly. five, that's, you know. That's the spirit of the law. The letter is 60. But I might go or, 65. Or 65 or 60, but I can get away with 65. Or maybe even 69, but if I go 10 miles an hour over, then I'll get pulled over. Right. Right? Yeah, because, you know, those times, I don't know, are you being a salt of the earth? (laughs) A good person? A good person just being, you know, the good old salt of the earth. And that is the 11th phrase that pays, is the salt of the earth is from Scripture. And Jesus, again, is the author of this in Matthew 5.13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. This one I feel is like a common one that maybe because it's a very well-known passage. Yeah. Yeah. I think people would know that one, you know, and you know, if you say, you know, someone's the salt of the earth, like, you know, uh, you're kind of giving a positive reflection of them. They're a real good person. You can count on them. They're dependable. You know, they're honest. You're the salt of the earth. Oh, God bless you, brother. No. Uh, <laughs> you are. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, so, yes, please join our mutual admiration society. <laughs> right. Where we just give positive <laughs> feedback to one another. Yes. Um, so, but yeah, that's where... Um, you know, Jesus wants us to be the salt of the earth. You know, we don't, he doesn't want us to lose our zest or our tastiness um, for the gospel and to, in, in sharing it. And, 
you know, uh, that we shouldn't become bland in our faith, right? right? And lose its zest or tastiness kind of way to say it. But that is the 11th, the 11th phrase that pays, and that concludes our list uh, that we found from LifeWay Research. So we hope that you've had a lot of fun listening to us as we've had fun, you know, talking about this and kicking around other phrases that pay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's too bad we don't have a 12th phrase that we can wrap this up. Well, and, we're in the 11th hour here. Oh, hi yeah, There you go. <laughs> yes, waiting till the 11th hour. So, so all yeah. right. Yeah, thank you everybody for tuning in and see you next time. script.